I was asleep at 10 p.m. every night. Maybe 11. That's not because I'm responsible. It's because I was so tired I could barely function. Four of us. Hey. Uh, Sorry for live a, a little bit late. Uh, we had some technical issues, uh, as always. Thank you, streamer. Cliff. Cliff had technical issues. It was me. <laughs> um, welcome to our WTC recap episode. Uh, I am joined by uh, Francois and Nathan. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some WTC stuff. Also, I want to hear a clip. I want to hear about your uh, best man duties. Let's leave with you before we leave with anyone else. Ooh. Um, so I was at a wedding. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Boulder. Boulder's beautiful, unusually lush. Uh, one of my best friends from middle school slash high school. I've known him since we were 12 and I am 40, which is amazing. Uh, got married to a wonderful woman, uh, in the mountains in Evergreen, Colorado. And there were no formal best men, but I was one of the people chosen to deliver a groomsman's toast. Um, uh, and that toast covered a wide range of topics, including the White Wolf line of RPGs. If anyone can remember Vampire the Masquerade and or Werewolf the Apocalypse from way back when, super edgy. You play as like vampires and werewolves and mummies and all sorts of scary monsters. Um, the werewolf thing in particular was pretty cool because you're like eco-terrorists, which again came up in the speech. Uh, <laughs> the speech was the speech was ridiculous. Uh, I'm just remembering 90s, uh, like, Cliff, did you have, like, pants with chains while you were playing White Wolf? No, 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 no. That's the the whole thing. I was, (laughs) Francois, you're full Jinkos with a big chain. That was (laughs) me too, Francois, while playing White Wolf games, yes. (laughs) No, I was, I was, I, my fashion and appearance have not changed drastically outside of the beard (laughs) since I was, like, 16. I'm just the same, just plain color t-shirts and jeans. Um, and so yeah, the wedding was cool. It was our first time away without the kids in like five years, uh, which was sick. Uh, and that was it. Yeah, I get to watch you guys doing the thing at WTC, which was amazing. God, so cool. Talk about that. Let's talk about that. No. Tim, uh, all right, WTC guys. You said no, right? <laughs> it was, it was awesome. I don't even know uh, where to begin. Um, it was it was kind of a nice payoff um i guess uh, obviously uh anthony and i are, are good friends we talk a lot and you know a lot of times he would kind of vent to me about his frustration um last year and and like i don't want to say it was kind of anyone's fault but i think it was just um it was like team usa like mindset and then just um expectation management between several people and just not quite jiving. And that's where like kind of that joke of like eight singles player in, in a trench coat came from. Um, and you just, <laughs> you just kind of, and you just kind of really see the importance of like a, like a true team dynamic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so being a part of that last this year, this year being more open um, and there was, you know, there was some drama, which is a completely different topic. And honestly it's in the past that kind of threatened to, derail the whole thing uh, right from the beginning. But then Sean, at, at great personal sacrifice to himself, uh, came back because he was really the only person um, 
with the kind of like gravitas uh, to really, you know, immediately set things on the right path. Um, so it was like it was kind of like break glass, a case of the unthinkable. Um, and then we got we got right to work. We started setting up scrims. Um, we cut from thirty five people down to twenty. And Sean gave a speech. He said, "Hey, we're going to be doing tightening cuts, um, but they're not truly cuts. All twenty of you are." part of Team USA, um, you know, unless, like, anyone does anything, like, crazy, like, sportsmanship or, like, you know, um, stuff like that. And um, and then we just got to work, and uh, that was really that was really good. Um, competition was tight. Uh, eventually, I, I found, like, my breaking point. I even told my wife, I said, I'm, you know, this means a lot to me. This is kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, it felt like. Um, so I'm going to try to go for it. Just let you know, I'm going to be little bit like emotionally unavailable and that kind of stuff i'm always going to be kind of distracted because i'm always it's just going to be like in my head the next like six months and cindy uh which you know nathan francois you guys met um she was like she's all about it she she even though she doesn't always get like what i'm doing she knows like she can kind of read me and like when i'm excited about something or passionate about something like she understands that so that was cool um anyhow so we get there I play Warmaster singles. Uh, then I spent a couple days away from the team because we had so many coaches. So I was like, "Hey, you guys, I'll come back <laughs> to the meetings. I'll come to the meetings every single night, help you guys, like you know, like do all that kind of stuff." And then I kind of like became more and more present as we got like deeper and deeper into the rounds. And then Sunday, I was there all day. And then we came in second. And it was it was awesome. And Cindy like just was there. Uh, at the end of the weekend, and she saw like the community, she saw the wholesomeness and all that kind of stuff. And by the time the award ceremony was done, she was she kind of seen the fruition of six months of work. She was already talking about Belgium next year, which surprised me. So it was it was cool. Sick, sick. Shout out to Sean Naden, perhaps the pinnacle of Warhammer Daddom. <laughs> and it was, uh, it, it was cool. To, it was cool to see him like go into captain mode, like on like when the when the boots hit the ground. It was really cool to see that man. That man knows how to give some good speeches. Nice for real. Nice. And uh, shout Francois. out to supportive partners. Good stuff, Cindy. Sounded a good meeting. Yeah, yeah. Francois, tell us, uh, uh, I think Nathan, we'll, we'll come back and recap Nathan. He talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Uh, so Nathan will save you for last. And Francois, go ahead and uh, tell us about it from your perspective. Yeah, that was a surreal week. Uh, we've been back uh, three, four days now, I think. I don't know. Time has lost all meaning. And uh, my brain is still trying to like fully absorb everything that went down. It was uh, seven days of pure chaos, but in a good way. <laughs> uh, I think, I think by far my my best Warhammer experience ever. Uh, full like twelve out of ten, amazing time, amazing crowd. Everyone was so nice. Um, I got to meet so many people that I you know knew or knew of or knew online or had talked to and finally got to like meet them in the flesh it was amazing it was my first time as a player there first time there period but as a player and it was um it was a lot more than i expected so i i have i have friends who who have gone who have gone for years even who talk to me about wtc every year and you hear all the stories and you think to yourself oh that sounds really cool i want to go but i don't think it's it's possible to fully fully internalize how just absolutely amazing but also overwhelming it is until you go um for me it was it was almost too much and i i've been 
you know, I've played in big games. I've, I've been at top tables at big events. Uh, I've played in important, you know, stressful games, and nothing has ever come close to this experience. Uh, I don't, I don't even think I can like do it justice in words. But it was <laughs> the best week, and uh, Team Canada was amazing. Shout out to all my teammates; they, they were great. We had we had the best dynamic the, the whole time we were there. Uh, shout out to my wife, who like Tim's wife was very supportive throughout the whole ordeal because this is an incredible time commitment. Uh, prior to WTC, I think I did a Warhammer related thing, whether like a one day practice day or like a full weekend GT. Uh, I think I worked it out to in the last nine weeks, I did eight Warhammer like weekend things. Um, and that's not possible when you have a, a family and responsibilities unless you have a very, very supportive partner. So uh, thanks, Audrey, for like making that possible for me. And um, yeah, like I, we'll unpack all of that in more detail, and I'm sure, later. But my, 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 my main takeaway was just how absolutely overwhelming it turned out to be, but in a very good way. Nathan, bring it home for us, man. Oh, boy. Um, so I did coverage <coughs> at the WTC, so I was not a member of a team aside from the collaboration that I did with a Polish podcast, Contact Lost, which is made up of uh, Tomek and Joker, uh, only known as Joker because I can never pronounce his Polish name correctly, and he just kind of <laughs> gives pity upon me and every other non-Polish person being able to pronounce his name correctly. Um, so I got to work with those two, and then also Typhus and then Nathan Roberts of... Uh, Team England WTC fame, and we ran essentially like a game center esque news disc situation. Um, I also played in War Masters, but War Masters was an abridged experience for a variety of reasons. Uh, mostly because my travel time to the WTC started with like nine hour, nine almost ten hours of travel delays, um, which took away like the whole let's see Brussels kind of part of my trip. Um, but which was fine though. I have to agree with uh, Francois, though. This is like WTC itself is an experience that you kind of need to be there to understand. There's like an energy to it and then like activity that's going on between people and then like all the jerseys and all this team stuff and things like that. And all these different experts from different countries interacting with each other in a very different way than they usually do in singles events. And it's kind of interesting. There was a moment. I kind of exemplified it at the end when we were all sitting at the bar after everything was done. And it's like Anthony, Vic, Nassim, Ennis, uh, David Gaylord, all sitting together, also with Brian Sype there, all sitting together in like a small space having beers and talking about Warmer 40K. And it's like, this is like a thing that only happens in this situation. Yeah, so just casually like seven of the top 10 ITC players or something. <laughs> just, just seven of the 10 ITC players chatting about like Thousand Sons and why they're funny. Um so yeah, similar to Francois, I'd give it a 12 out of 10 for the experience. I don't know how much we're going to go into like the ins and outs of it. I will say that aside from the 12 out of 10, I sat behind the desk after we got it set up, like this table, and like stared at a hall, and I was like, what? What the fuck is this? Sorry, language. <laughs> but I sat down staring at like, how do you record live content with all these people here? <laughs> um, and the answer to that is that your audio isn't always great, but um, it was a lot of fun. I would do it again. I think I've already been told I'm doing it again um, by the stat check backstage people who are like, yeah, so you're just doing this again. Congratulations. You get to do this all over again. Next <laughs> you do a um, free will. If you don't want to, you don't have to. <laughs> I do also want to do it. I think yeah, the there assumption you is that I would want to do it again. But 
unlike everybody else, I don't have kids or anything. I just have stat children and they're not the same. Um, <laughs> my wife, my wife is very supportive. Although when I came back and I started telling her stories, she was like, what even is this nonsense? Like what? There's a lot of nonsense. What are you doing? You need to explain. She took, I took out like 12 jerseys from all the teams and she's like, what is this? <laughs> um, but she was very supportive. She came back. She was very excited for me to hear all my stories about nonsense. So I guess from that rambling situation, 12 out of 10 would do again and probably doing again. And, awesome. and yes, yes, Sam, to address your comment, 12 out of 10, despite having to play Eldar three times, <laughs> that was still fun. <laughs> Way to take I... it on the chin, Francois. <laughs> Yeah, That's the, the beauty uh, of teams. Someone has to do it. So you, know, yeah. you go into it and you do your best. And <laughs> Somebody has to get grenaded each round. It's just yeah. how it works. And it was me three I times. Don't know, I don't know what I expected from Warmasters, but my I took Chaos Knights and I was just like, well, I'm not trying to win. So um, one of my buddies uh, locally, even, he even offered me Eldar. He's like, oh, he's like, I have everything you need if you want to just take Eldar. I'm like, nah. You know, it's just... <laughs> like i mean yeah if i want to like kind of keep up the charade of like singles meta i guess i could we pretend you know but um no so i was like look i'm just going to try to roll dice at like you know at like a high level with higher level people but like still keep it really like extremely chill and have fun so i brought i brought chaos knights um I was kind of bummed too because, like, as soon as I saw Arnie's like Team Germany's list, I was like, "Shit, that list is so much better than mine." But it's <laughs> it all right. I, I played him round one. Yeah, I was like, "Damn it, like, that list is good." Um, and then would have that list, uh, not to bury lead, but like three of my matchups for sure, that list would have been better to have. But I brought Chalaxi, ten War Dogs. Uh, it was four Carnivores, a Stalker, five Brigands, shooty ones, and Changeling. Um, it's not because like, they were the ones I had hobbied up, so like I, it was good motivation. The army came out great, looked looked great. I'll, uh, if you're in the Discord, you probably see pictures. Uh, so I was very happy with it. It showed up to Belgium in one piece. It's always a bonus. Uh, and I ran into Custodes, Necrons, Custodes, Custodes, IK, Eldar. Uh, uh, so I got the Custodes matchup kind of figured out by the third time. So I did. <laughs> I mean, it's a squeak out a win uh, on that one. Um, oh, but yeah, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, you're, you're. It really doesn't matter what melee war dog you have. As soon as you go into custodies, it's just like it's over. That's yeah. it. Your, your melee is tank shock. Your melee is tank shock, and then you die. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was. So basically, I figured out the the pattern. Uh, unless you just bring like Germany's list, which is that's what I'm gonna do. I have a GT in two weeks, and then I have Nova in three. So I'll probably just take Germany's list. Um, people were asking me, they're like, they're like, how how do you win your third custodies match or whatever? And I was like, well, I found out the play pattern is you run backwards while spamming the exploding sixes strat while making zero mistakes and drawing good cards. <laughs> and if that all if that all happens for five turns straight, you will squeak out like a like an eleven point win. So that was that was pretty much how that went. And then IK IK was really funny too. I played um. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, but he was on Team Romania. He was their IK player, um, and I just deployed. I mean, like he, he, I made him drop first. He dropped something. Then I dropped the changeling, and then he dropped something. 
and I just put everything on one, like just right, right on one. Didn't even, didn't even like look up after that. I was like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. And I looked up, I looked up right in the face and said, I'm gonna go first. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> just he rolled a two, I rolled a five, and then Let's I go. and then I tabled him in two turns. And then he was just like, how do I even? deal with that and i'm like you don't I'm you like, don't you go first i was like i was like brother, don't, no i was like no one's gonna do this to you in teams so just... <laughs> nobody's gonna bet at all on this die roll at the beginning but i would because like i i knew i wasn't i probably wasn't even gonna make it to like a, with the well i was hoping to make it to like maybe like you know four two in that field because it, it was a strong field i knew people were most people weren't bringing two armies to right. to WTC, so I knew everyone was going to bring like good armies. Um, so I was hoping for like I was actually playing on three three um, with like maybe four two as a stretch goal or shadow round. But if I went to the shadow round, I, I was for sure would have dropped. I, would, I probably wouldn't even played. Um, so at that point, I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm already like I'm not going to shadow round. So whoop, here we go. That was it. Well, War Masters is a, a very strange tournament because it's so it's a super major, like 284, I think, players. But and sure, there's your your usual assortment of uh, local, like French and Belgian players who are there for fun. But you also have a much higher than usual <laughs> percentage yeah. of yeah. of sharks in the water. Uh, so my my round one was against Arnas, uh. like Chaos Knights list. So I rock up to the table. <laughs> And I, I find out that I'm playing Arna and his Chaos Knights, and I'm like, I'm playing my Death Watch, who's really, really good at killing infantry. And or one or two mm. big things a turn, because Oats is a hell of a drug. You know what it can't kill? 14 Wardogs. 14 Wardogs. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony and I played that matchup, and Anthony was working so hard, and I was just on autopilot the entire time. Yeah, so uh, that, that was an interesting round one at War Masters for me, but uh, Arna's great. Uh, we had We had a fantastic game. And I was like, all right, this is going to be a tough tournament. <laughs> and then I got a little yeah. bit luckier in my yeah. pairings. Uh, I paired into a bunch of um, Belgian and French team members as well. So I, I had to, I got to play my games in French, which given how jet lagged I was, was actually very <laughs> helpful for my poor adult brain. It removed one, one step of kind of mental workload from the equation. Uh, and I, I not, I didn't quite get as lucky as Innis did with my pairings, but I got pretty lucky. Uh, I only pulled one Eldar, which I managed to beat. Um, so, so, you know, I had a very successful War Masters. I went five and one, and for a split second, I was like, "Oh my god, am I going to be in the Shadow Realm?" Until a bunch of people tied, and then I got knocked down to tenth. <laughs> but it was, it was an interesting moment where I was like, "Ooh, I, I don't actually want to. Um, if I get there, I will decline." But uh, that was not. In, that was, wasn't even a question in the end but it was a, an interesting tournament uh, i will say now that i've done it i understand why people pass on it and focus <clears> on the teams it's definitely an extra layer of exhaustion right that's a lot of warhammer and you saw me on the thursday nathan when it got really hot and i was about to like die in a puddle at my table uh <laughs> Just over basically yeah Tough. I love the added physical level of difficulty. You're like, oh, you guys want air conditioning? Too bad. Too bad. It was Tough a lot out. more physically demanding than I expected. I will say that. Yeah. I, also I love it. <laughs> <laughs> How'd it go, David? It, I brought Death Watch, an army I had like three reps with. I borrowed an army from Team New Zealand uh, member David Gaylord. <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell this funny story at the end of this because it's a funny story. Um, if you you might have heard it on the main show, but I'm going to tell it again because you guys need to hear it twice. 
Um, so I borrowed an army from him. I had never touched a Death Watch army in, in, with my own hands, only on TTS. So I got like three reps with it. Um, <coughs> my first game was into a very nice Belgian World Leaders player who was at his very first GT. Um, he'd never played any competitive 40K before. He was like, yeah, me and my friend just decided to show up to this. I was like, man, this is going to be the That's awesome. <laughs> But That's also, awesome, like, Rambo. Let's let's have an awesome time. And then I won 20-0 on differential because I tabled him in like two turns, more or less. I think it was by the end of turn three, there was just no world leaders left on the table. Have you no shame? Um, none. Come on. Um, Come on. I tri- I triggered the captain, the captain's uh thief of secrets on a rhino. And then <laughs> he charged into um Karn's squad, or Karn charged him. Karn killed like everything except the captain and one Death Watch veteran. And the captain triggered his um, special ability to do devastating wounds and get extra attacks and stuff like that. And with his four damage power fist, did like 16 mortal wounds, devastating wounds, and then just punched a whole berserker squad off the table by himself, basically. Which, in and of itself, was kind of funny. And then there was just Karns, and they're like, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> and then he died. Um, I then played a... I, I called the shot. I was like, now I'm going to play a WTC team captain. That's just how this is going to work. I won too hard, and now I'm going to pay for my hubris with pairings. And so I paid uh, t- the Norwegian team captain, Patrick Woods. Tim Penny is wearing his jersey right now, I believe. Um, who was playing Gene Stealer Cult on a mission I had never played before, which was Servo Skulls. Just never played it before. So I was like, cool. New experience, new army. Um, time for rep five on this army into what should be an okay matchup if I play perfectly. Um, I lost on turn five when I had killed 6,000 points of Gene Stealer Cult and there were still 2,000 <laughs> points of Gene Stealer Cult on the table. Um <laughs> I had a unit of Desolation Marines and, like, two depleted infiltrator squads left. Um, And he managed to get a bunch of the objectives into my zone and scored, like, 16 points of primary or something like that on turn five and just squeaked it out to an 11-9 win over me. And I was like, that's cool. I feel okay about this Um, because I barely know what I'm doing. And then (laughs) I played a very nice man uh, who was on Team Iceland who was also playing Death Watch. And I was like, so if I just deploy my Desolation Marines and then hope to go first, this could be okay. Um, so we both deployed our Desolation Marines. I got first turn. I popped Kraken rounds because he'd scooted himself slightly out of their normal range. Uh, popped Kraken, made them my oath's target, and just blew his Desolation Marine unit off the table. Um, and then uh, had effectively tabled him except for a land speeder and a storm speeder at the end of turn five and won that like 18-2 or 17-3 or something like that. Um, and then by this point, I was getting really tired because of all my travel delays and like not getting a lot of sleep because of it. And so I went into game four against Florian playing for Team Netherlands, uh, playing Thousand Suns, and he like yeeted me into the sky, basically. <laughs> um <laughs> He, he was like, I see your like attempts at tactics and I declare them terrible. Um, it didn't help that I moved my Proteus kill team into a position that I need him to be in. Um, and the changeling turned off their shooting, so I didn't get to do any of the shooting that I wanted to do with the unit into like Magnus and some stragglers. 
Um, and then they charged, and I low rolled the charge, so I didn't get to do what I wanted to do 100% with it. So they got into the changeling, um, and then he, they failed their battle shock test, so they didn't get to fight. Uh, so my Proteus kill team was just kind of standing in front of Magnus going, cool, and then they died. Um, and it was at this point where I was down to two brain cells for a three brain cell army, so I was really rubbing those two brain cells together, hoping to make this work, when two judges were like, hey, um, your Marines look funny. And I was like, I don't know what you mean, bud. Um, so they were like, yeah, like 35 of your Death Watch veterans don't have backpacks. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? That's a problem. And they're like, yeah, so like you can finish this game. Um, but if you don't have more backpacks for them, we have to pull all the models because of their modeling policy. And I was like, that's fine. Um, I don't have any extra backpacks. This is not my army. I don't know what to do with it. Uh, so I dropped because I was tired and because I wasn't 100% sure how to replace all those models, mostly because I was tired. Because um, some people offered some alternatives, talking to teammates and stuff like that, which is one of the beauties of WTC is that if you're ever in trouble, somebody somewhere is going to help you fix the situation. Um, and somebody was like, yeah, one of our teammates is here. He's not playing in War Masters. And we can probably get you a whole Death Watcher. And he's like, no, that's okay. I can't do this. Just let me sleep. Um, oh, there goes Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> So instead, I got to go talk to David, uh, bring him over to the judges and be like, so you need to figure this out. And Team Germany came to the rescue like they had repeatedly over WTC and brought him like 30 some odd backpacks for his Death Watch veterans so that they could all be battle ready. So I'm assuming he must have hastily until like the middle of night painted backpacks. And that, that's my story of Warmaster. It was a lot of fun. I went two and two. I probably could have played a couple more games and maybe gone like three and three or something like that. And it would have been a good time. Um, but I preserved myself because I then subsequently was going to go and record like 30 to 40 hours of content, <laughs> yeah, which by I the end of you... it, I was, I, I was delirious by the end. <laughs> yeah. You like, you were like glued to that, uh, that front desk from like that point on from what I saw. I did yeah, enjoy I, uh, my, my last game. And yet again, my audio doesn't work. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cliff. Just the, the best. Just the best. Uh, um, I'm return when I can hear you guys. And Jeremy. And he's gonna there go. He'll <laughs> yep. be back in a minute. Yeah, he'll be back. He's gonna figure it out. But um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the my elder game, my round six, when uh, you came over and you got to hear me be like sassy, my opponent, like the fun, the fun kind of sassy, not the mean sassy. He was uh, he was he was sandbagging a little bit. He like threw some um, some uh, soup and hawks in front of me, you know, and he was kind of like trying to bait out an Overwatch. And he's like, "Oh, I don't know if this is the right play," you know. <laughs> just threw it like right in the middle of the army. He's like, "Oh, you know, I've never done this before." And I'm like, "Oh, you never done this before? You never you never ever watched that card pop out in the middle of my army?" <laughs> and he was and he was like, "Okay, okay." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm man, just a I, little I, guy." Yeah, I was like, I, I know what you're trying to do. We had we had we had a chill game after that, but yeah, I was like, I was kind of like, and you, you can cut that out. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't have to get crazy. You're playing Eldar, you're gonna win. Doesn't have to get crazy. So it was good fun. Now, b before we move on, I, I want to talk about one of the weirder WTC traditions because I noticed you're both wearing traded shirts, and if I'd known that I was gonna be on before earlier today when Tim PM me, <laughs> I would also have planned ahead. But I'm at the cottage; I don't have mine. How weird is it? That it's like forty degrees with you with the humidex in that hall, and you're playing 
around against someone and you're drenched in sweat and you're smelly and you're disgusting and the first thing you do if you have a good game is you take your shirt off trade it with your opponent and put their sweaty disgusting shirt on while they put yours on i kind of love it but it's a little bit gross i was always handed clean freshly laundered ones. Oh, i was not <laughs> Florian yeeted me into the sun and then as an apology handed me a jersey. <laughs> Somebody got us a, got a picture of me and Florian hugging because it was like such a nice gesture. But it was also definitely a, I'm sorry I hurt you in so many ways kind of gesture. Um, but yeah, it's definitely was funny. There were several people who were playing just without shirts for like large portions of the event because mm -hmm. um, nice. it got hot, hot. in the hall. To be Very fair, hot. I get it, yep. Which is crazy because um, that hall is huge, and yep. I think so. They had they had a fence that basically was like like chain link fence or whatever that was cutting the hall in half, and even of that, only two thirds of the part that we had access to was physically filled with like players. Um, yep. So it's kind of crazy that it was like a third of the hall, the entire hall was filled up. Um, and it still is just that much, that much heat. It was more bearable on day, on the final day on Sunday. I think it was like maybe just people like had thinned out or something like that. Um, can entire teams drop? I don't know. But the, it, it definitely was more bearable on the very last day. But um, that, yeah, that first day, they started opening the doors. Bad. They started opening and, the maybe that's what it was. large roller doors that they've got. They opened mm, those on the last few we, days. We were not there last year, but all the stories I've heard is that it was much worse last year. So it was like 35-ish outside during that time, which meant it was like high, like low 40s inside of the hall and like extra humid and stuff like that. Uh, I will shout out my friend, the tree by the front door, me and my teammate, uh, Ridvin Skari, uh, we would go and just lie down under the tree in between rounds. <laughs> just kind of lay on our go backs in the grass, touch some grass. Literally the tree grass. That was, that was great. That's awesome. That, that tree is now an honorary member of Team Canada. You need to bring it a jersey next year. <laughs> or like a little scarf that you can tie around it. Just tie a flag around it. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, real quick, uh, we have a little uh, natural pause. I want to shout out uh, Ben McJurek. Um, he put in the uh, super chat. Says feed the stat children five dollars. Thank you, Ben McJurek. Uh, his name is now his name is uh, Ben Jurek normally, but he's now Mac Jurek, and I believe he's now a Lord of Scotland because uh, we actually loaned him out uh, to Team Scotland. I'm not really sure what happened, but their uh, their guard player was. Uh, um, he got chicken disposed box. whatever yeah chicken chicken box yeah, that was it and uh so we we're kind of like hey you know we put out a call to any any coaches prospects if you want to go play for another team really help a team out then here's your opportunity um and then just jumped right on it and really leaned into the bit we got pictures of him with the i already uh, rented a kilt is that right yeah, yeah, he got a, he got a kill. He got the flag. He got the, like the little hat. He, like, he did the whole it. whole nine yards. <laughs> like he really really leaned into it, and um, apparently he did pretty good too. So they said he was a, obviously he like really saved him, uh, helped him out. But they said he was a real asset for the team as well. So that was kind of cool. Awesome. So, yeah, I get some firsthand team's experience because uh, he was there as a coach, and then he's like, well, he's like, well, now I'm just in the team event. It was good times. That's great. Um, 
Francois, uh, Nathan, did you uh, did you guys get any chance to uh, to see the country while you're there, like at, at all, like zero? <laughs> no. <laughs> zero. Um, the amount of country that I saw was the 30 minute walks that I took to the stadium every day from the hotel, um, which actually went through like a very like scenic kind of like underpass like bike path kind of thing. Um, where I learned apparently that Belgians love ice hockey because there's like an ice hockey training center on that walk from our hotel to the arena. Um, other than that, no, I bought like I, I didn't have any time, so I ended up buying souvenirs for my wife in the airport at the duty free shop where I was like, I can buy Belgian waffles and I can buy Belgian chocolate. Excellent, just gonna get through customs with it right now. Yeah, it's, it's funny because the, the town we're in, Mechlin, is at it to us like uh, uncultured north americans i guess it, it looks like it's like very old and, and touristy and there's this beautiful church it's not a tourist spot at all <laughs> everything is closed at 9 p.m and it's kind of this this quiet <laughs> suburb where people just live and and there's the conference center there and on our walk it, it looks like you're walking through history and and this should be a touristy area and it's not at all uh but no this is this is one thing that's kind of tough is that the schedule is so compact that i was gone for eight days and it was like all flights and warhammer and that's it yep um Same. i uh i really tried to navigate this like in the most like dad hammer way possible and i think i did like a pretty <laughs> decent job um so like remember back uh back like 20 minutes ago when i was saying like hey cindy i'm gonna be emotionally unavailable i also said how do you feel about a trip to belgium and she was like oh awesome blah 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 and i was like well also i'm not gonna be really available for it um <laughs> But you know, we had some we had some lead time, um, and my my son's uh, swim coach slash babysitter, um, she was available, and I was like, hey, uh, her name's Willow. I was like, I was like, hey, what if we saw if Willow wanted to come along? You know, she's young. You know, like probably has traveled a little bit, but not like crazy amount. I was like, if she's willing to like, if we pay for her like her her room board, maybe she should be down, and then that way, with like the days where I'm not available. You have a second adult there to help you with, you know, with Victor, my son, who's three years old. That way it doesn't feel like it feels like you're on vacation. It doesn't just feel like you're there to babysit my kid so I can go do my stuff. Uh, and that actually, he, it was that first night was a little bit rough as he went through the uh, time zone change, but I, that actually worked out beautifully. Um, so we got there a day to decompress, I met up some teammates, and then we did two days of War Masters. Uh, and then after that, I saw, um, we, we tried to do that little stat check episode thing that fell through. So that kind of sucked because it took a couple hours, um, uh, out of the day, but with the, we saw, um, Dynant that day Then we saw, um, Bruges and then, uh, get, and then a little bit of Mechelen and then, and then the week I came back to help the teams and. Uh, and the next time you guys go to Belgium, because it's going to be WCC is going to be Belgium this year, I would say that um, Antwerp and Brussels definitely feel a little bit skippable, but Bruges was incredible. It looked like something out of like a Disney fairy tale movie, something like that. Like the architecture and everything was insane. And we had a little running joke with my family um, because every time I saw like one of those little waffle stands, where like they just they just had them like seven building, people would just be making waffles and giving waffles and little flags in it. 
super touristy. But every time I got tired, I would like go like run off, get myself a waffle, get a waffle. And so they start, start calling it waffle power. Um, so they're like, hey, can we get a little, little bit low waffle power? I'm like, man, maybe. So, but they uh, they put they put sugar on it and they make the waffle, and so like, it like caramelizes, and so you don't even need anything on it, you know. And they just hand it to you in a, like in a napkin or whatever you eat. It. It's it's so good. Yeah, we, um, we had a yeah, waffle we, maker at our hotel in the breakfast uh, breakfast bar. <laughs> it was great. And we, we were this close to breaking open one of the maple syrup cans we brought as gifts. Because <laughs> we brought maple I mean, syrup no, for all the other teams. Maple syrup cans from Team Canada. Yeah, that was Belgian, our team gift. We'd give a maple syrup I mean, can. <laughs> but they don't, Belgian they don't waffles, do maple syrup. <laughs> Belgian waffles with, uh, with Canadian maple syrup. I mean, like that just sounds like... What a combo. We we resisted. We kept all the the cans for because we had, we had them for opposing teams and also for the organizers and the judges. Oh, that's awesome! Someone like brought the duffel bag full of maple syrup cans. Jesus Christ! I feel extremely left out. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'll I'll mail you maple syrup. If you actually, you know what? Next time, don't miss your plane. Come to the event, and I'll give you maple syrup. Oh. Oh, I see how it is. I'm wow, gonna get no, that's fair. Wow. Okay, that was Speaking unfair. You didn't miss the plane. The flight was canceled. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, the, the traveling was like super cursed <laughs> this year. Like we, I thought we were going off without a hitch, and then um, after we, we were stressed out um, from all of Brussels to to London Heathrow because the American. So we booked British Airways, um, and. When we got to Brussels, we couldn't find any signs for British Airways. There was just no signs at all. So we're like, well, where the heck are we checking the baggage? And so we're just like running around like all over the place, you know, with all this luggage, little kid who's constantly trying to like wander off in the crowd of a very busy airport. And we're just running around like trying to find it. And like, I just keep like, I'm like asking people, I'm like, where's British Airways? Where's British Airways? Where's British Airways? And then finally, like after being there for like two hours, someone's like, oh, whoa. It's not open yet, but it'll be open in about 30 minutes over there. That line, I see a line. It's like huge. It's got like 60 people in it. And I look, someone's holding a piece of paper. Like, and I look and it's their boarding pass. And I see the little British Airways logo. So like, okay, great. So we go, we go there. It opens. And by the time we get to that line, we barely, barely have enough time for security and, and then uh, passport control. Cause these lines are moving slow and we we literally get there with like a minute to spare before they shut off boarding it was so ridiculous um that they did like really they, they if they had opened up like an hour earlier it would have been or an hour earlier would have been fine but it was just stressful for no reason um then we i was worried about missing our connection ended up not having to worry about that because when we got to london heathrow um which by the way screw terminal five that terminal sucks <laughs> the triple seven the triple seven uh the physical plane that we were going to um fly back to miami on when it was arriving that day um uh, into heathrow i guess it had like a lightning strike and a bird strike within 15 minutes of each other and so they grounded it for 24 hours to do like like safety inspections and everything you know and make sure the thing doesn't like come apart in the air over the Atlantic, because that would obviously really. that would obviously be like it would obviously <laughs> be like that would be super inconvenient, you know, um, if my plane might come apart. So, so they did that, but they they put us up in a hotel uh, and everything, the, and then we went out to, uh, but we had like no luggage, so you know we went to uh, Tesco, did a little Tesco run, um, got new clothes, like just the clothes you find Tesco, some snacks, definitely a lot of booze. 
uh, and then Cindy, Cindy and I, uh, we actually got adopted by like a family that we had met that was also on that flight that got bumped, and so we hit it off. We exchanged numbers. Uh, they live in Miami Beach, so we're gonna we're actually gonna like do dinner with them in a few weeks. That was really cool. oh, that's cool. And, awesome. and their daughters, their daughters loved Victor, and Victor loved them. You know, so that was really cool. Um, and so the four of us actually did dinner, and then we went out and did um, and did like a London by Night tour while their daughters and our babysitter watched Victor, and they all like watched like cartoons or whatever. You know, so that was that was really sweet. And the next the next morning, um, you know, or we had an afternoon flight, uh, went back to Miami, and then I finally got home at like eight thirty, and had, had to be back. Had to get up at five to be back at work the next day, where I probably got my ass kicked because uh, I was just tired and jet lagged. That was it. <laughs> nice. I definitely want to. No, go ahead, Cliff. No, it's the same way to turn that around. It's like a stressful journey it turns into making friends with your family getting the opportunity to see london like that's dope yeah we, we really tried to make the best of it um i'm glad that we like got inconvenienced but like we got inconvenienced for a long enough period of time that we were able to get like you know right. shower fresh pair of clothes good night's sleep on a good bed you know because if it was like inconvenience but like for like a few hours it would have been just miserable but the fact that it was like a full day um and and i and like i was able to just call um I called my pet sitter. I was like, "Hey, we need like one more day," um, and then luckily, I had, I had took some extra time off to decompress, like from the vacation to work, and so I didn't really have to like worry about getting to work or anything because I had that day off anyhow. But I just didn't get the decompression I wanted. That's fun. It worked out. It was it was fun. Yeah, I want to add some. I think like an extra day either at the beginning or at the end of like travel stuff just to like be able to do some tourism stuff because once or just not do war masters although war masters was fun there's definitely like a whole bunch of other stuff you can do if you bridge that gap a little bit yeah i don't know that would be if i go if i go back next year i would what no, so the only wrong war masters is really cool but um the opportunity to go back next year and not have to have like that stress of traveling with an army you know, and yeah. like I think you did the right thing, just borrowing someone's army. That'd definitely be the way to do it. Um, That's my or you do War Masters, but you just do like you just do like the just do the first day of War Masters, something like that. You know, and then and just, just spend the rest like of time. You go like by far. This by far. Sorry. Yeah, it was good. No, it's alright. It was good practice, but by far the best part was the the social aspect, far and away. So so many people came up to me, and I was just like, oh. Oh, so, so many people came up to me and just kind of like looked at me, and I was like looking at them. They're like Tim, and I was like, "Yes." Yeah. Like, oh, hey, <laughs> my daughter just started the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we didn't we didn't wake her, did we? Nope she uh, she wasn't awake for any of this. She just like she walked out of her room, gave me a hug, went back. I'm pretty sure she was asleep the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the old sleepwalk. Yep. I, I will Aww. say that it was funny meeting like people for the first time. Yeah. the event so like one of the biggest things about the event is definitely meeting people and like it's it definitely gets to like a madness level at a certain point because you're like shaking hands with people you're hugging people you barely know except as like discord avatars and stuff like that <laughs> or like the community is full of six foot five six foot six people who somehow are also very sneaky um my favorite example is always going to be Liam VSL sneaking up behind me, like at a table and being like, I love your show. And me being like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is, I, 
I knew I've seen pictures. I knew he was tall. I didn't realize he was like that tall. He's quite tall. He's also lovely. Um, like he was very nice, and it was nice to get to talk to him and meet him and like see him a couple other times throughout the event. It was just you never expect people who are that tall to be so sneaky and like get up behind you, like not expecting it. I also realized that uh Tim and Eric Forsman are twins. Eric Forsman of Team USA <laughs> fame. I definitely on the first day that Eric arrived for a moment because of sleep deprivation was like Tim. <laughs> but then I was like, it took my brain like a second to catch up to where I was. I'm like, Oh no, it's Eric. God damn it. But I've also been staring at you for an uncomfortable amount of time and need to say <laughs> something to bridge this gap real quick. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that was a running gag because I was looking for Tim at one point and I go to the team America table and I go, does anyone see Tim? And then Eric goes, what do you mean? I'm Tim. <laughs> my my favorite. We were doing though. that. We were doing that all week long, and it was hilarious at the bar because we we were swapping shirts. We were like we were like really leaning into it, and then at the bar, of course, it was just people were just getting drunk. And I think the funniest part was like people were coming up. Uh, at one point, Eric like was like was like arm wrestling people or something like that or whatever. And like yes, people coming up to thing, me. Yeah. People were like coming up to me and congratulating like me for like beating people at arm wrestling. I'm like, yeah, man, like it's all the grip, you know. I was like, nowhere, I was all the way on the other side. That bar is a lot of fun. That's uh, amazing. We definitely like pushed so many people into that bar. A bar that's like meant for five people, maybe ten people to be at it. Like with three bartenders instead got like a hundred people showing up at it, like at night. Sick. You know, my I favorite didn't memory, though, of Tim and his clone. Every night. Oh. You were asleep at 10 p.m. every night? Oh, maybe 11. <laughs> yeah. Irresponsible uh, so, adult friends. Yes, no, irresponsible of it's you. Not because I'm responsible. It's because I was so tired I could barely function. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, another, that's another reason why you don't play War Masters. Just keep the extra energy. It was on nice. The last like, I had... day. On the Sunday, I got my last round. My game finished early, and I started drinking those whiskey beers. And I had like three, which is even not even that many. But I was like, "Oh, this is too many beers. I can't do this anymore." Yeah. <laughs> oh no! I was. Oh no! I think it was a combination of the sun not going down till like ten thirty at night, and then the all the waffle energy. I I felt like I was like much waffle power. Yeah, I, I had oh, waffle power. Energy. I was I was. I was getting home every night. Well, I was getting back to the hotel every every single day at like two, three in the morning, and then getting right back up again at seven. And the only the only respite was like that that middle part where I was just entirely with my family, seeing seeing Belgium, and I was only I was coming back every single night for the team meetings, um, and I was getting back from those like eleven. But the the rest of the time, yeah, like I was definitely going out and socializing everything. We had a very yeah. lovely team dinner also at the the last night, which is great because award ceremony. Um, and then my wife and I went out to team dinner. Uh, very touching toast to our logistics guy who worked Josh behind the scenes, who does so much work. And then to Sean uh, and then just to everyone, really. And then we went out for the social. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, Let me shout out all the support people on all the teams because you, you talk about the WTC and it's always all about the players. But I don't know about you guys, but uh, I would probably be dead if it wasn't for um, Dickie and 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 all those all the other coaches, uh, Jeff and all of them, just like filling my water bottle and putting like hydration tablets in there, and making sure that you can actually keep functioning. It makes a huge difference. Give me somebody to talk to. 
<laughs> well, we had five minutes, so whenever you whenever you'd walk around, you had someone to talk to. Yeah, not not that it ever stopped me from just randomly tapping a player on the shoulder or like walking up to a player's table and then chit chatting with them next to their opponent. Definitely never did that. Not a single time. Um, but yeah, the social thing afterwards is like definitely a big piece. It feels like I also did what Tim did and I didn't go to sleep until like one or two in the morning every day, but I woke up with staff at like five or six in the morning to do breakfast. Ooh, ouchies. And then we were at the event center every day at like seven. So we, I was getting three or four hours of sleep. I think I got 30 to 40 hours of sleep across the whole 10 days or whatever that we were there. So Ugh. Rough. By, by the end, I was getting pretty delusional and sassy. Um, if you ask filmmaker Jokey about Joker about it, they're like, "Man, Nathan is like losing his shit over here, <laughs> just losing his mind. He's like being so mean to people randomly." Oh my gosh, there goes Cliff again. It happens because I'm like, I, I like to pride myself on being nice to basically everybody that I meet, and my two co-hosts were like, "Nathan, you were starting to be not nice to people." And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you started to be the opposite of nice. Yeah, I was like, "Oh no." Well, on the last day, I was pretty drunk, and you just do too many drunk things. That's all there is to it, and that's all I'll say. I don't know. You, it's a late you gotta night wa- You got to watch out that those night. Belgian beers. They're, uh, they're sneaky. Yeah, it's crazy. They pour strong drinks. I definitely yeah, asked yeah. for, like, a light vodka and orange juice for, for Sean Naden, like, on the last night. And they definitely just poured, like, half a glass of vodka <laughs> for him still. And I was like, okay, I guess the whole glass is the full strength. Uh, vodka apparently, so I didn't, I didn't test this, but apparently that bar we were at, bar popular. Apparently, like when they have that many people, they just go until everyone leaves. <laughs> is what I've been told. They're, they're saying like last year, like there'd be like a situation where like they'd go, but there'd be like two people left, and it's like five in the morning. The staff are like, please, go <laughs> please home. go home, yeah, <laughs> please yeah. free us. <laughs> but I, I definitely believe it, you know, especially because the, the population of the town uh, probably triples while we're there. <laughs> it definitely felt like it. Uh, it definitely felt like it. There, there was nobody there. So, like, the weirdest thing to me is somebody from Chicago, like, is that all the, they have no street lights. I'm like walking down a street and there are like no street lights except some windows up. And I'm like, this normally would make me feel very uncomfortable, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it's all like this, super safe there. It was super safe because there was nobody there to do anything to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, there's so much, so much building, so much architecture, and everything like that. And like, yeah, there was just like no one there. Like every, like maybe like every like 15 minutes, like someone like was buying a bicycle, and that was about it. Yep, I did oh, yeah, almost get hit by watch out for the, watch out for those bikes because if you're in the bike lane, they will they will not give They'll run damn. you down. They'll run you over. I love it. Get out of the bike lane for you. Where they had a strong, <laughs> strong, strong, strong bicycle culture. It was kind if of you're cool. lucky, you might get a you might get a bell ring. But uh, you know. <laughs> I always got a bell ring. Ching, ching, made Pierre almost died ching, on the first day. He was just walking. Ching ching slam. <laughs> almost got clipped. Yeah. Get, get tank shocked by a bike. <laughs> <laughs> That's tw- that'll be twenty two d six. Plus one because plus one because bike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, let's uh let's pivot over to questions. Got a decent amount. Um, first one is from Adana. Uh, Tim, how do you score good deals on forty k lots models? Do you just wait for panic sellers to scoop them up, or is there a better method to use? Uh, basically, that's it. Um, 
I try to. So when they're, you also have to know like how GW does their like their bundles. Um, so for eighth edition, we had the start collecting boxes, which were usually I think like about forty percent MSRP discount. Um, and then uh, the additional 15% discount the most um, friendly game stores would give on top of that, if not more. Um, so those were obviously great. The thing is, is as, as we were kind of like moving and transitioning to ninth edition, um, every time a codex would come out, they would also release a combat uh, patrol, which then meant the even though the models in the uh, start collecting were, did not go out of production usually, that box itself would go out of production. And then you would, as the supplies kind of dwindled out, uh, you would see on eBay for increasing, increasing prices. And you would hit a break point where that increasing price uh, no longer made sense for the materials that were inside of it. Instead of getting a discount, you'd actually be paying more for the control than you would if you, uh, if you were paying for it individually. So usually what I would do if I was going to, I did this in ninth edition um, a couple times, or basically if I was going to, start a new faction i would try to buy um at least one combat patrol if um if not like two usually they usually didn't have to go more than that because you don't really know what's going to be good with the new book and the new codex and the meta and everything but if you bought like two of those bundles it'd be good um and then the codex would drop and then i would also buy a combat patrol and so at that point you had two star collectings and a combat patrol and you were basically set and then usually you just kind of fill it out from there. So that's usually like what I would do. Uh, and then also you have the Christmas battle boxes uh, that they do uh, every single Christmas. They usually do, they always do one for Marines and then they do yeah. five other ones, usually with the decent mix of uh, Xenos and Chaos. Uh, so if you can combo that, that's good. Um, so that's generally how I try like, to buy my new stuff. Uh, used, yeah, I, do, I honestly just wait. Um, if I even remotely think I'm gonna want a faction, I, I try to buy it when it's bad because um, people just get frustrated or they get sad or whatever. And they don't, they will emotionally sell it. Um, yeah, like I don't try to like rob anyone, but I'll set up an alert, you know, like I bought a, I bought a death guard army with like all the big stuff. You don't want the filler, like the plague Marines and the pox Marines. You want the big stuff. So I bought, I set up an alert for death guard and it was like, and then every time an alert popped up for death guard lot, I would look, and I'd be like, okay, does this have everything I want? I wanted specifically, I wanted Mortarian. I wanted the tanks, the blight haulers, the bleepers crawlers, terminators, all the all the meat. I wanted all that. And then I finally got one I liked, hit the trigger, it showed up. I opened it, and I'm like, yep, it's all there. Closed it. It's it's in the garage. I, have, I haven't even touched it. Um, yeah. And then even if I don't end up using it, which I probably will, but even if I don't end up using it, um, as long as that army is in a better place. Uh, Meta-wise, than it was when I uh, bought it. I will probably come out. It'll be a wash at minimum. You know, I, I definitely won't like lose money on it. So that's generally what I do. And like, and once you've been in the hobby a couple times, like it's a lot easier to do that. Especially if you sell an army while like while it's hot. If you do that enough times, that can actually kind of like fund your hobby enough, where you can like buy eventually buy two armies for the price of one. Uh, and I did that with Tyranids. I sold my Tyranids uh, when the Codex came out last year. It was like right like right as we were going from Crusher into the new launch book. And like 
I was just I was just pulling out like meta. I was selling like my lots, but I was pulling out all the meta stuff, and I was just putting an auction. I was like, look, I'm not trying to like scout people, but if people want to bid each other for it, like I'm not going to stop you. Uh, I sold two harpies, and I think I, I let them go to auction. One sold for like 160, one sold Good for 140. God. <laughs> yeah, it was it was insane. It was um, but, yeah, I mean, but like I don't, I, I don't. I do have like some like little like moral standards where I'm like not gonna charge like a crazy yeah. price, but I'm like I'm like hey I will. Yeah, no, that's not on I you. If I, if I, yeah, that's not on me. Like I'm gonna put it out there. If people if people want to go like bananas, you know, like and bid on it, like go nuts. Yeah. And so then uh, yeah, I'll sell meta armies while they actually sell armies while they're good, and then I'll buy armies while they're terrible, um, and that works pretty well for me. Yeah. Can, Can I ask, ask a, uh, websites? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yours, yours is on topic. Mine's gonna switch it. No, I was gonna say you can go to like Reddit's mini swamp, and you can go on Facebook mm. to local buy and shop groups, and you can go on Barter Town. I think is like the still like the most one of the most reliable websites, and that's how I turned like one army into three armies. Is you can definitely just either trade stuff, yeah. which works out sometimes, especially now it works out very well with like kind of some of the supply issues you're seeing with GW where you can turn like a unit that's desirable in a faction into like three units from an army you want to get or something like that. Um, you just kind of have to watch because sometimes, um, and what happened with me is I ended up getting like a 2000 points Knights army when I was first starting into the hobby for like 150 bucks or something like that. Cause it's part of a larger lot on eBay and somebody's just like, I want it out. And sometimes you just find stuff like that. Like, but you can play the stock market also as well. Stocks. Yeah, basically. I like I like the market PvP. It's fun. <laughs> I've got a um I've got a question for y'all collectively, since we're essentially at the Olympics of Warhammer 40k. Mm -hmm. What's what moment did you have where you were like, oh okay, yeah, these are like the best players in the world? Uh did you have like a specific round or a turn or like an action that an opponent took where you were like, wow, that was that was didn't see that coming. That was incredible. That was an incredible move. If you did, what was it? Yeah, it didn't take any time at all. My very first game of Warmasters, uh, I, I pair into Arna from Team Germany, and the way that he starts measuring is the angles and the distances for all of his fourteen war dogs. Right away, you can tell. Okay, this this is a good player. This this is going to be a tough <laughs> game. It, 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 there's a if you've been around for long enough it's very easy within uh, even the first turn of the game to kind of peg your opponent and go okay this is going to be a hard hard game this is going to be a medium game this is going to be an easy game and i'm just rocking up round one of war masters this is the first of it's going to be 14 games of warhammer the very first one i walk up to my table and the guy just pulls out a tape measure all of his angles all this stuff and uh, of course i i knew arnie before the game started that i knew he was good but it, it's like oh this is round one of a 283 person tournament and we're already there that this feels <laughs> like this feels like the final table of energy yeah. yeah it was just um when you walked in there um if you were even like have been remotely following um worldwide events for the past year or so like that it was just Everyone was there. Everyone. Um, it was crazy. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun just walk up to games, just spectate for a little bit. Um, especially especially Poland, man. They were they were just monsters. Um, 
Skark, like I guess Skark and uh, Eric actually became like friends because like I guess like uh, Eric was the first American ever that Skark hasn't twenty owed. You know, so he was like wow. he was coming back to Eric later, and he was like he was like he was like Eric match Tommy Lot GSC played next round good strong you know <laughs> the, the terrible Skark Skark impression, but it was like it, they they just became it was just funny it's just this quiet quiet old Polish uh, man and then this like boisterous like Midwestern American like instantaneous friends it was it was really cool that's awesome. Uh, next question, uh, Tim and Francois, how was it to play at War Masters? Um, I will defer this question because I, I think we already talked about it a little bit. Francois, if you want to expand a little bit, well, can, by all means. I think uh, I, I hope to go back next year. If I go back next year, I, I might skip the War Masters. Uh, as much fun as it was, <laughs> it, it was grueling. It was too many games of Warhammer. Uh, I, I kept, you know, before the event, I kept thinking to myself, ah, the people who don't play War Masters, they're like cowards. We're, we're crossing the Atlantic to play Warhammer. Let's play as much Warhammer as we can. And then I realized that there is actually such a thing as too much Warhammer. <laughs> but War Master itself, as an event, if you're not also going to do like seven games of teams right after, is wonderful. And if you have, you know, uh, I've actually never been to LVO because I keep hearing stories that make me not want to go to LVO. <laughs> but I think I think if you're gonna travel for a big event once a year, if there's like one that you could pick, and you're gonna travel and you're gonna have to pay for a flight and hotel anyway, I would say go to War Masters. Um, of all the events I've been to, all the singles events I've been to, like this was by far the best, and it's super well organized. It runs very smoothly. There's refs everywhere. They're wonderful. The terrain's great. There's a fact, so you know what you're doing. It, if you're gonna go to one event, that you're gonna hop on a plane for and pay a hotel for, go to War Masters. That's my answer. That's awesome. War, Mas War Masters. Um... We lost clip again. Uh, Warmas, I definitely, I definitely echo that. And also keep in mind that you don't have to be associated with the official team of a nation to attend. Uh, anyone can attend Warmasters, and a lot of a lot of people do. Uh, there's a lot of French and Italians there, I think, uh, and Spaniards. Um, but uh, Warmasters had like that final boss kind of singles open kind of vibe um, in a good way. Um, that I haven't really felt since like LVO of 2020. Um, the last couple of LVOs just haven't really felt that way. Like, yes, there are sharks there, you know, it's like, it's like a thousand people, you know, and all the, all the American sharks. And then usually like Manny and then like one or two other people from like Europe will show up, but um, it's generally war masters from top to bottom just felt like he like said, I had that, had that final boss energy. Uh, so it's going to be really hard to top that. Um, I'll report back uh, when I get back from Nova. But like I said, I, don't, I can't imagine. Uh, it might be harder because because uh, Nova, um, the terrain is not as it's not going to be WTC terrain. So like I might run to the towering brick wall at some point through there. But as far as the field, like I said, uh, I ran to Stefan round one from Austria, and we felt about equal footing as far as skill level, um, and then. It felt like I was a little bit above everyone else. I was playing Wars Army, but like no one, everyone felt 
like all my opponents felt like they were good and competent and like skillful and then um they they knew what they were doing it just i no one really felt like they were just like kind of like wandering around like lost or something like that um i didn't i didn't run into any first timers um but like you know de definitely varying degrees of skill but everyone felt confident you can just you just tell the field and then if you got anywhere close to the top tables like if you dipped into the top 50 tables you were probably playing like uh national level like players out know, of six country. rounds was, i had five out of six rounds i had five uh national team players yeah yep. I had, you, uh, those are people who are best in their countries you'll just run right into them <laughs> and you'll learn that like lots of metas have good players yeah, real fast levels yep I, had, I think yeah four four out of my six were national players uh it was pretty cool I, and four for me yep uh next question uh francois is there anything you're looking to approve on for next wtc lots of things um it, it was actually i'm not super happy with my play in the team's event for for at least some of the games i mean I, I do this thing that lots of people do where i hyper focus on mistakes and and i like identify mistakes and then i go wow i should have done that right and fine you can't always be perfect you have to give yourself permission to not be perfect but i do feel like i did not play in at least a couple of those rounds to my usual standards now why i'm not sure was it like fatigue jet lag was it um the the sheer awesomeness of wtc getting to me was it a combination of all that um but i, I definitely think i can play better next year and i'm very keen to just playing better next year and the one thing i'm going to say that i'm looking forward to doing to improve my play and it's perhaps going to sound weird but if i was 20 pounds lighter and i had like mm gotten back into jogging a little bit or just like just walked my dog more for like the two months before WTC, I would have done better because the, the, the physical strain of the event, it sounds weird to say because you're at a table playing toy, toy soldiers, but the physical strain of the event, I think if I'd been in better physical shape, I would have scored like one or two more points per game just from that. Uh, so that's my goal for the next year is I'm going to lose a little bit of weight because God knows I could use it. <laughs> and like, if nothing else, just make a pact with myself to in the tomb, because I walked 15,000 steps a day at WTC. My normal step count, because I have a dog that I walk twice a, twice a day, is like 8,000. So it's about twice what I normally do. So I think if, if nothing else, what I should do is in the like 60 days before WTC, work up to walking my dog 15,000 steps a day so that it's not so much of a shock on the system when you get there you end up you end up doing a lot of walking uh oh, sure. even like even just when you're not when you're not at the venue like just mechelen like moving around going to the venue stuff like that um there's a lot of walking Eight thousand steps a day is pretty good though they say that's they say that's like the main like break point where you start really seeing the benefits if you do eight thousand. Uh, well, you can take my leverage rule for that. <laughs> I, I, I would not walk 8,000 steps a day if I didn't have a dog that desperately needs it. And if she doesn't get it, she starts eating the furniture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Tim, do you think you're going to try for the U.S. team uh, WTC again next year? Um, man, it was really cool. I really – the trial process was great. Um, and I made it to the final cut. I think we got down to 12 people, and I was in that final 12. Um and then I kind of hit like my limit of like how much time 
and dedication I personally was able to give. Um, so that was cool to find out about myself. Um, and uh, yeah, it got it got really neck and neck. Um, but I don't think uh, next year. I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, I think I, I think I'll be down to coach next year. Mm-hmm. I could see like doing. Um, now that I've done War Masters, I checked it off my bucket list. Now that I've seen uh, most most of Belgium, um, I saw the, all the big cities and a couple of smaller ones. Uh, now I could justify going and doing a more compact schedule where I'm literally just there for the teams. Um, cut the time down in half, and how it goes like coaching or coverage. I actually really, really, really enjoyed um, the prep work and the coaching aspect of it. Uh, just the uh, when we when we showed up for the first practice, and then really trying to like come up with those crazy lists, like the GK list, that orc list, uh, Sean Nade's, you know, uh, nib list. Um, the amount of work and thought that went into that, like. People, people always like that are outside the process will be like, well, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And it's like, yes, we thought of everything. I think the, the only blind spot we had was that, that thousand sons FSU list. We, we definitely, we were a little bit surprised by that, but I mean, we saw like, I think we tested every, we tested some crazy stuff. I think my favorite crazy list that we didn't, I can say it now, um, that didn't actually make it, but we came really close to bringing it was, um, a Porphyrion and eleven hundred points of guard indirect with a couple sunrise. <laughs> I love that though. I love the thought of that. I won't lie. It was oh, it was it was actually like it was actually distressingly good. Was, <laughs> you just could not play the mission against it at all. Like all like the only thing that even came kind of close to doing okay into it was like CSM. Like even even knights like they couldn't kill enough. You know, and then, like, and then they just got blown. They just stepped in the open. They just get blown away. Um, that was really funny. But we tried a lot of stuff. And then the prep, like once we got the list, um, me kind of like acting as like the opponent and like running through all like the opposing nations lists and stuff like that. Um, and just really kind of like tightening the screws and the fine tuning all this stuff. Um, just seeing the amount of work of it, and like I just, I just really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, but. My wife wants to do, um, she's been wanting to do like marathons and half marathons, stuff like that. And so she's been so supportive of me. So next year I'm going to be supportive of her. Uh, and I'm going to take a step back from 40K and just focus on like obviously the show and then like maybe coaching for Team USA. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the supportive husband, let her do her dreams for a year. And then maybe we'll, like, we'll just do like an alternate thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's my plan. I like it. Uh, that's great. Tim, do you use a scraping tool for your army usage spreadsheet, or is this, is it just manually pulling up the top players from each GT and looking to find the faction? Uh, I am not good at computers, so yes, I'm just manually looking it up. Uh, that's why I only do it for armies I care about. Uh, <laughs> however, I have uh, apparently inspired uh, Frank from uh, from our Stat Check Discord. Uh, he's launched a Patreon. Uh, I think they're called Dirt Sheets. Uh, we'll have to get him to on the show sometime or something like that to explain uh, what the what that name means. But yeah, basically, it's um, it's a uh, kind of a way for those of you who don't, who don't know. Uh, it's a process that I use to kind of like netlist, uh, where instead of netlisting a straight list, I'm more like netlist concepts. Um, and that, this is the process I've used for many years. And as a book gets solved, use um, Wisdom of the Crowds, 
to um, you basically just take the all the armies that go like that kind of hit top cut or X of one or something like that, and you just compile all those lists for about a four week period, a five week period, and then you just you just put like how much how often each uh, unit shows up, and it will literally spit out. 1800 1900 points of a meta list and you can just tweak it and that that way you know okay this is this list these units have been proven to be uh what the winning players are taking or what the winning lists are taking what's making it through the other side uh in multiple regions multiple metas multiple terrain or whatever so if i take this that's that's it that's the cookie cutter army and it's one less thing i have to think about um so it sounds like a lot of work. It's really not. It takes like maybe like 20, 30 minutes every single weekend. And within within three, four weeks, you could literally could just spit out like, you know, the cookie cutter list for a, for a meta faction. Uh, this one's for Cliff. Cliff, what type of big boy time have you been enjoying recently? Oh, boy. So, I mean, I've been running Knights and Custodes as my like... Custodia's not really big boy time, but you know, nights are standard big boy time. But right now, and that's getting a little boring because my most frequent opponent is running sisters, and it's just sort of a frustrating experience uh, for them. The thing that I'm working on now is like an Eldar big boy time list, which is like, who cares? But I'm also thinking that by the time I'm done hobbying up, hobbying into the level I want it to be, uh, Eldar will be nerfed. I'm at least hoping that that's the case. Um, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, especially in a world where you only adjust points and not fundamental rules issues that are replete throughout the given index. Anyway, so it's like Avatar, both the avatars, a Wraith Knight, block a Wraith Guard, um, a Wayleaper, a Farseer, a Spirit Surfer with a Wraith Guard, and then like couple units of shadow specters and a couple units of raid spiders to run around their mission stuff and that's it very few decisions to be made you just shove a bunch of stuff in the middle of the board and say like i dare you to do something about it typically people can't because it's eldar um and off you go but like again it's like i don't know it sparks joy to hobby it right now it doesn't spark joy to play it because it's it's i don't know it's eldar so for me it doesn't feel particularly nice for me in this moment in time that's where I'm at with my Eldar army as well. Is like I'm really enjoying hobbying it. It was like the first time in a long time that like painting had really sparked joy for me. Yeah. But it keeps freezing on the freezing on the funniest cliff faces though. Dude. <laughs> like that's all I'm gonna say. Is like during the part where it was like, I don't know, it was frozen. I'm like uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on face. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um but like that was the the reason I'm building that army is because it's making me happy for hobby purposes, which is like that's fine. I think I think it's okay if something sparks joy for hobby, yeah, and no other reason. People are just gonna have to get over that, you know. At some point, people are gonna like elves just for liking elves and not necessarily because the play experience is good as well. Yeah, I'll say this though: I'm anticipating some sort of like crusher situation whenever Nids mm -hmm. drops, and I'm going to run that to the ground regardless of how bad it is, because I love... Fully fully on board. Love, all the love, way. love the big bucks so much. I have 12 Carnifex waiting on my shelf. Let's go. <laughs> my body is so ready for that. Six, six Norns already. Just going to run triple of each yep. if you can. I don't know. Just yep. do stuff. I'm going to do that. Do I'm that. definitely going to do that. Don't even care if it's good. Nope. Will be amazing. Uh, 
So from from Warboss, uh, Ben McJurick. Uh, Tim, not a question, but meeting you and your family was a delight. Uh, ben, it was uh, lovely to meet you and your wife. Um, and apologies about Victor that first night. He was uh, obviously getting used to the time zone differential, and it's hard to explain to a three-year-old what time zones are. So he, was a, <laughs> he was a little bit of a hand. He was a little bit of a handful the first night, and the walls were thin, and it was kind of like. Aww. Sorry, it's tough. It's tough. Um, he got he yeah he got he got better throughout the week. Uh, has any English person ever pronounced this is a question from Jeff, aspiring forklift champion? Has any English person ever pronounced Tim Penny as Timpany in that weird English way, kind of like how secretary <laughs> becomes secretary? Um, I've heard people say that. I've heard people say that, but like I think it was just like more as like a joke, like rather than like a weird pronunciation. Uh, also, it'd be cool if Cliff talked about why hadrosars are underrated. <laughs> Cliff, why are hadrosars? Oh, no, he's gone. He's okay, gone. Back to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, from Preston, what's your favorite flavor of chip? Man, I I love just OG Pringles. Hard Ketchup, of course. Oh God, how Canadian! Um, Listen, no, 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 no. Let's talk about this. You Americans put ketchup on everything, including your eggs at breakfast. But for some reason, ketchup chips—that's a bridge too far. Explain. I don't. Me. I don't put ketchup on everything. I'm from the land where people put ranch on everything. Excuse me. Um, Wouldn't that just I, be tomato? Isn't that just tomato flavored chips with extra steps? It's they put like vinegar on it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, it's like true, a, yeah. it's like a sweet tangy kind of thing. We have them yeah, in okay, the states. Serious answer: one. the the prawn crisps from the UK when I when I live there. <laughs> that's the real answer. But ketchup chips are really good. I like salt and pepper. Like there's like a company here that makes salt and pepper potato chips. Those are the best chips to me. <laughs> Cliff, favorite chip. Doritos, nacho cheese. It's not close, everyone, to be clear. Okay, good, like, good it choice. Is I love the Scientifically, the best chip ever. <laughs> Doritos are good. No, that would be Cheetos, Nathan. I mean, no, it's like whatever is powdered really cheese is fine. Any powdered yeah. cheese is fine. That's a good That's question. Honest. And maybe. We're noting Doritos. It's all like legit real cheese. It's not, there's no like weird stuff going on there. It's just the right combination of cheeses plus a touch of MSG. <laughs> Just delicious. There you go. When Nathan makes it to one of our Ottawa events, I'm going to send him home with make maple syrup and ketchup chips. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm fine what? with this. That's what people brought. So people, my wife has friends in Toronto, and they drove down and they brought like three bags of ketchup chips with them for us. And so we just had ketchup chips for like Sorry. months. I'm actually changing my answer from, although OG, OG Pringles are good, I'm changing it to tortilla chips because that's what nachos mm. are made of. So there. Bro. God dang it. That's the long, that's the long <laughs> that's a answer. That's a <laughs> solid answer. I was thinking, I was like, I was like, I, was like I can't make nachos out of Pringles. Can I? Well, you um, could. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you could. Uh, Cliff, you, you missed it. You cut out. Um, Jeff, aspiring forklift champion, would love it if you would talk a little bit why hadrosaurs are underrated. Oh my God. Really? Okay. Uh... <laughs> So I'm gonna take a nap. No, no, no. You'll you'll like this too, Nathan. He said nerdy, let him, nerdy. Let nerdy him cook. Let him cook. Uh, three reasons. One, uh, evolved in the Cretaceous. We're able to deal with flowering plants, which didn't appear until then. There were no flowers on this planet until about 135 million years ago, which is cool. Uh, two, their teeth. They have more teeth than any other dinosaurs, right? Like literally a thousand plus in their mouth at the same time. Not in rows like a shark, but in like 
weird batteries. Like imagine like a row of teeth and then another row of teeth and then another one in front of that, like chain mail, all of which were like connected by these ligaments. So they had a little bit of mobility to be able to chew all the stuff. Uh, three, they were fucking huge, like larger than T-Rexes, some of the bigger ones, um, at least on average. So like, they're like, you know, portrayed as these like sort of wimpy, we don't do anything, we make a bunch of noises. The head crests themselves are cool. They were probably making really cool um, sounds and vocalizations to each other at various times during their days. But like, yeah, they were sick, 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 so underrated. Not just prey animals to be victimized by the T-Rex in the movies. Like, yeah, they're all cool stuff going on. My favorite part of that was the nightmare fuel that is ridges of fully flexible Crazy. teeth. Like that's that's just teeth are wild, yeah. Like Google um, Google like hadrosaur uh, tooth battery, and you'll see the fossils that come up. You're like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> they look weird. Also, tooth battery sounds like you hook things up to a generator <laughs> or something. That's what that sounds like to me. I won't lie. I did um, like that though. Oh. That was great. <laughs> Hogs of War, I, I guess, uh, is late to the show. And they're like, what's going on? I'm late to the show. We're talking about you're dinosaurs. Like, oh, Hogs, we're, doing the, uh, question. we're doing the we're doing the questions. <laughs> and usually at any given show, only half the questions even have anything to do with 40K. We just answer them anyhow. What is the American review of Otakos? Um Francois, nope. uh, Nathan, did you, did you guys do Otakos? I, I did not go to Otakos. I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw receipts for it. And we saw Otakos. And I was like, I'm not having a taco outside taco of North Bell? America. Like, <laughs> this is not a thing that I want to do. I don't want to have Mexican food of any stripe or variety outside of North America and maybe South America. I'm going to stop you there. Guys. There was nothing except for the tortilla. <laughs> There was nothing, nothing Mexican about that place at all. Um, one, it's an American rap. No, like, no, I've never seen anyone do what they did with a, with a like tortilla. Like, I'm just watching this girl like just like wrap this tortilla, and I'm just getting like more and more distressed <laughs> as I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, no, not the full. You didn't. Do the no, what was the final shape? Like, and then she started putting. Then she started putting fries in it. I'm like, no, baby, what is he doing? Stop! <laughs> you only have your stuff to blame for going to a tacos place in oh Belgium. God. Yeah, uh, that's really again. Nobody the, to blame but yourself. The no, it was it was it was good. Um, it actually was pretty good. It was it was if you wanted like fast food slash comfort food, it was pretty good. Um, I wouldn't. Again, I would not call it tacos. I would call it like maybe they should change their name to like O Tortillas or something like that because <laughs> the word taco being used very liberally in there. Um, they were doing stuff with tortillas. They weren't making tacos with it, that's for sure. But there was like meat products and tortillas happening and cheese, maybe, and then like sauce. But like when I went to, they have so many sauces and I don't know like any of the names mean. I just see colors. I'm like, oh, green. <laughs> Tan, mauve. I don't like. I don't. I don't know. Like, I just Mauve. don't know. Like, what any of the words? Yeah, I don't know what any of the words mean. And they had the sauce, and I'm just like, what's happening? So, I mean, it was if, if you if you have, if you have enough Belgian beers, anything was good. Um, but it was it was something. I do like how you they had the when you went in there, they had the touchscreen kiosks. Like, kind of you ever go to like a McDonald's or something? They had the touchscreen or whatever, and. 
This is where those receipts come from. They were circling around with like the 18 different types of cheeses. It doesn't give you error messages when you try to like commit like a food war crime. It just like lets you take as deep of a hole as you want to. Just keep just like, you just keep adding, and you're just like if you just like take your hand, if you just take your hand and you just swipe it down the entire screen, just selects everything. It doesn't stop you. It's like sure, twelve ninety nine, go nuts. It does not try to stop you at all. So I kind of like that. Um. No judgment from the machine, but, only from yeah, your friends none, later. No judgment. Machine can't give you a <laughs> some judgment from the person putting the sixteen item taco together, though. Yeah, again, like this is it was very much not a taco. It was like, uh, what's the word? Uh, it was kind of like it was like a sad crunch wrap. Mm. <laughs> That's I not guess, a, like that. I mean, sad crunch wraps are already sad crunch wraps. Yeah. Let's not. <laughs> but it was like it was like bigger and more boxy. I don't know. It was, it was a mess. Um, it was a fun mess. It was fun. Wouldn't do it again. But it was, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Okay. Uh, let's see. What I, this question from John V. A. Gang? Would you rather have to say so true, bestie, to any statement you agree with, even mildly, or every time you have a room? Say, hey guys, it's blank name, and I'm out of here. Keep the magic alive. I kind of like the second one, like I, having the a second one sounds every cool. Time you, yeah, every time you disappear, like you have a catchphrase. That's like a that's lot, a good every Keep time magic you alive room, sounds that's good. A lot. I'm gonna go through best. I leave a lot. <laughs> you walk, you walk through your house, and you have to say it four times. It would be awkward to say that, like at a scientific conference, where somebody's like, "Yeah, so we have this." blankety blankety blank theory and i'm like so true bestie so true <laughs> there's so like true. tonality there that you can add to it though i feel like you can get away with it at a certain point but yeah if, you would be known much, as that so at a certain so point yeah <laughs> just with speech rate and inflection like you could really yeah you'd be like because it's like now you're like doing like the i am group thing yeah. you know where it's like you just have a whole language i guess I'd do uh, that too. that's fair why does Discord do this? Just jumped all over the place randomly. Is there any gaming item out of the ordinary that you take with you to a two-day major? Um, why specifically a two-day major, Jake B? Uh, something beyond dice, tape measure, etc. It's like, well, you can only take this to a two-day major. If you take it to a three-day major, no good. Um, but no, seriously, what I was actually enjoying um, with the War Dogs, especially with the WTC train, I was running, because I was running Shalaxi and 10 War Dogs, so I had a ton of 100-millimeter bases is um just to sh shut down arguments and show like good faith or whatever just show my work is i had two mdf uh 100 millimeter bases and anytime i had to navigate around terrain i would put one base right where the turn is and then i'll put another base where my movement was going to end and i would like literally show my work from not from the front or the back of the base but from the side of the base because that's the part that has to go around corners and so I'd basically show the movement. I'd be like, okay, well, here's the measurement from where the model is to here to here. And then it turns because the 100 millimeters don't pivot. And then it moves over here, you know, like, because sometimes when you move around, people are like, ah, and I'm like, well, look, here's here's my work. You know, I haven't touched the model, blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay, that looks good. Um, and then you only, you only have to do it a couple of times. People would be like, okay, this guy is like playing it correctly. Um, and, that would, and also like just show um sometimes like when you have that thing where like you're trying to like do a charge but you have to like make 
you don't just have to make a certain charge to like get in melee. You have to make a certain charge to clear terrain or something like that, especially with Chaos Knights where they can go through walls. Um, and you know what you're trying to do, but the other person's like trying to like jump in there and help you before any models move. And it's kind of like, ah, you know, being able to just kind of put that MDF base like in there without disturbing anything and be like, okay, well, this is this is where it would physically have to land, blah, blah, blah. And then you could just pull the terrain up and the measure. Um, it's very nice. It felt very like TTS like, wow. you know, because you just you show your work. Especially with how many night players like to just bend their tapes around corners, which drives me nuts. That I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate uh, opponents who do what Tim does and bring like proxy bases. Uh, yeah. that that helps a lot uh, for me. It actually, I, uh, it's very fast. Yeah, no, it actually helps you as well, not just your opponent. Uh, for me, the glib answer is Advil. <laughs> bring yeah, Advil. What I was going to say, yeah, but uh, but the real answer is the the one weird quote unquote thing that I bring to events is um, I have a um, a climber's chalk bag. You know, when you do rock climbing or wall climbing, uh, you can clip a bag to your to your belt for for jock with like a carabiner um i use that as a dice bag because i i tend to walk around the table a lot and always leave my dice at the exact opposite end of the table so i just carry my dice in that pouch yeah i have a fanny pack and i love it <laughs> i did love seeing the strong dad energy tim penny with his fanny pack <laughs> like t-shirt on one of the days of war masters it made me very happy um i was gonna say the team, the Norwegian team turned me on to two things that are like really good ideas for like long events, a yoga mat for you to stand on, especially if the event is like on hard concrete or something like that, like that saved my feet so much when I just stood on it. And the other thing that they had were these like little hydration tablets that you put in your water, uh, which were also very convenient because you just save your water, life. you drink it in like round two or whatever, round three, and you feel so much better when you're drinking it and immediately afterwards. So like an electrolyte tablet and like a yoga mat are like yeah, the things that I think I'll be bringing. Turning your water bottle into a Gatorade is great. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to steal that. I like that idea, but I'm going to steal that. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. For Mag, uh, do you ever find reality creeps up on you when you're not expecting it? Yes. Like yeah, all the time. That's like sure? the daily. That's my daily existence of access. Is there more context to that question? Oh, I think I think I don't know if that was a show question or if that was like a cover uh, answer to my question because uh, today, like all of a sudden, I was just I was just I was just chilling. I was like lying on my couch or something like that, whatever. And then it was the afternoon, and I was scrolling through the StatCheck Discord, and I was like, man, these look like questions that like someone would ask like on my show. And I was like, oh shit, it is my show. And I was like, oh crap, I have a show. <laughs> so maybe that's what it was. Um, yeah. From Frank, with the recent announcement of the ATC circuit, can we formally declare the X and 1 Bandits as an independent team from StatCheck? <laughs> sure, go nuts. The more people that, that uh, show up and do teams, the better. Uh, I haven't looked into, I'm not on social media, so uh, I saw some people buzzing about the ATC circuit. Um, I know... If, if people are expecting ATC to be exactly the same as WTC, it is not. Uh, it's not even close. But the more we can get people exposed to just teams in general, the better. I'm I'm with Anthony. I'm totally team build at this point. Uh, blah, blah, blah. From Ela Wizzle, Ela Woozle, also known as Will, do you think team events lower the barrier to entry for competitive play with regards to Dad Hammer? As you don't necessarily need a cutting edge uh, medalist. Um, yeah. Probably. 
Yeah. I think so. Um, it depends, right? So we we do lots of team events over here, and mm-hmm. one one of the most popular event in Ottawa all year is the Canemary Team Tournament. And uh, there's of course the people who go to try and win it, uh, but that's a minority of teams. And I find that there's a ton of players who that's their one event they do every year. They have their their buddies, their garage hammer, beer hammer friends, and they do one event a year. And they just like get their team together for Canemary Team Tournament. They just go to that. That's the one thing they do every year. And the you know the team feeling and the well, I just played this list, and it might not be good in singles, but in teams we can sort of make it work. It helps a lot. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think you're gonna see. I think we're starting to see the dam kind of start to break as far as like you know, teams kind of spilling over with increased exposure of WTC and with cross-pollinization of uh, American and European uh, Warhammer players and, uh, you know, Discord servers and stuff like that. Now a recent announcement of uh, ATC circuit. Um, It kind of helps too that, like, you know, people talk about the singles meta right now not being super hot, so maybe that maybe accelerated a tiny bit. Um, But I think it was something that was a long time coming. Also depends the, on whether you have a team event available. Like where I live, team events that that Canemary team tournament's been going on for like a decade, right? So it's got like a long yeah. history. It's established. People just go to that. But if you don't have a team event, put one together or bug yeah. your TO to like try to do one because they're great. That's that's what I'm doing. I've already actually had a meeting earlier today with our uh, our local um, FLGS owner that puts on the biggest RTTs here about doing a three-man teams event um, later this fall or winter uh, because then you basically get the a taste of the pairings process where both teams put forward a defender. At that point, really the only thing to do is the, the defender would then choose who they play against and then the two refused armies place each other. Um, just real small, real simple, very rudimentary, but just kind of pe- like – because a lot of people that aren't used to teams, they just they hear three man teams. They're like, "What is it, a six thousand point game that's being played simultaneously?" Like that sounds like a pain in the ass. I'm like, "No, it's three games played in parallel." Um, uh, this one I think is for you, Francois from Preston. He asks, "Have you become a notable player yet?" <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that's ever possible. Infamous, really. Infamous. <laughs> Infamous, yeah. Uh, for, anyone, for anyone who has no idea what that, that was all about, uh, that was a callback uh, to, I think it was a Canadian GT or major that uh, Francois was playing, playing in, and I think you were in, like, uh, you were in winning position or something like that, and then someone made, like, some just some so, offhand comment about how there was no notable <laughs> players there, and... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they meant it, but it was just. It was just. It was Jeremy. It was Jeremy. Yeah, it was like Jeremy. So it was. It was big, like Etu Brute kind of energy from it. Yep. No one notable was there. It's like, damn, Jeremy. I hope you guys didn't drive together. Like, damn. Actually, that one was like right next to my house. (laughs) Here in my own house, you do this to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> on the day of my daughter's wedding. Um, <laughs> on the day of what my is your favorite major victory. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite list archetype you've seen develop now that WTC is done and then it's time to settle down a bit? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say favorite. Um, I don't really have like a favorite, I guess. But um, the biggest one that surprised me and surprised a lot of people is that 
that MSU Thousand Suns list that uh that Vic and others are running that has like it, it drops the Terminators and takes Magnus, it takes the Source Terminators, has Rhinos, and it's just a ton of MSU uh rubrics. Um, I think it has a bunch of Infernal Masters too. Yeah. Um, and it is just like endless MSU, it's got endless range because you can disembark with the Rhino. I think I think you can move like three times or something like that, um, and then you can call down the indirect, um, indirect and/or line of sight from Magnus like through your characters, and uh, the the disc sorcerers are infantry, so they can they can actually like embark on the Rhino, so they they move like a flyer, but they're infantry, so they disembark, move, move again, move again. Your shooting phase, you can move in the shooting phase to avoid Overwatch. Uh, they slow you down. Uh, it just has all the cabal points. Um, that list just has the craziest skill ceiling I've ever seen. Um, the first time I saw, I was sitting there spectating a game, and the guy did double Doom Bolt into triple grenade strat because the sorcerers have the grenade keyword. And he did like something like crazy, like 23 mortals or something like that. And he said, He's like, Yeah, that was about average, a little maybe on the low end. And I was like, Okay, this is this was a blind spot for us. This is something we didn't see coming. It was just absolutely crazy. So out of WTC, I think I think you're going to see that list kind of come out. And I think most people kind of have Thousand Suns as kind of like at the top of like the second tier in their power rankings or whatever. I think Thousand Suns with that list, assuming the pilot is can, can play it to the maximum capacity, I think they've jumped up an entire tier. Um, I think they're probably like neck and neck. I think they're above Imperial Knights. I think they're neck and neck with Custodes, maybe a little bit above them, because that list actually does extremely well in Custodes. Um, yeah. It's it's right there, but it, it might even be right next to GSC. So that's mine. Uh, mine is the Polish Land, Land Reader Redeemer, because uh, I wish I had been playing that. Uh, so we weren't the only ones to uh, bring Death Watch. In fact, most teams brought Death Watch. In hindsight, the polls were right. Death Watch was not the right choice. And yeah, I was uh, impressed by Death Watch at the event. So in testing, we thought it was doing well. Um, I played like 40 games of Death Watch. I was happy with Death Watch. And then we started pairing it, and it did not go well, which explains why I ended up into Eldar three times. Um, but that Land, Land Raider Redeemer, look, so just hold on for a sec. I'm going to reach over here and... <sighs> Look what's yes. on my table, my son. So I'm this why summer. You, my my, you, my son's, have that in your cottage? So my son's summer job this year is I pay him to assemble my models from my pile of my pile of shame, and so we to the cottage we bring all the models that I want him to assemble for the week, and uh, okay. At the top of the list was this Land Raider right. Redeemer <laughs> that he assembled for me this it. week. <laughs> Listen, my 11 year old son, he he wanted to make a little bit of money. He was like a, a he wants to like have a job. It was like a, he wanted to mow lawns or whatever. I'm like, you know what you could do? I have all these boxes of models that I do not like assembling models. I love painting models. I don't like assembling models. So I'm like, here's a hobby like knife and a pot of glue. <laughs> Let's see what you can do. And uh, he has now assembled most of my pile of shame. Actually, he might he might uh, somehow manage to uh, work through all of it. But anyway, the, that's, in, that's in, the last, in the last two days, my son assembled this lender. Nice work. And I can't wait nice. to put it on the table. I like it. Uh, I just want to run yeah, Gaunt's that... Ghost and Artillery now. <laughs> that's another that's good what, one. 
I won't lie. I just want to run guns, ghosts, and artillery and like bamboozle people with nonsense because that list is like maybe a couple changes away from being like a really good singles list. Like as is first. a very Fun. good team first <laughs> list. It feels like if you added in like a Calidus assassin and got the double vect, it would go from mm-hmm. being a good teams list to being like a really good yeah. singles list as well. Yeah, like the double vect is super rude. Can you can you vect a strat twice? It yeah. two yeah. separately named sorts of you can make reanimation cost yeah. three CP. <laughs> Phantasm is three yeah. CP, which they'll still do because they get three a battle round. They will still do it. Francois but... did the Caldus make it into your death watch list for WTC? No, because I didn't have agents of the Imperium. That was uh, oh, Chris, right. uh, our custodies players got that. But for singles, uh, yeah. I would yes. Yeah, I'm thinking about running that for singles in September, just because. Gaunt's Ghost sounds seems just hilarious. Oh, wow. I won't lie. There's something about teleporting yeah. units on very small bases, just doing <laughs> shenanigans. That, that unit, that unit has like almost every single rule, like yeah. keyword slash special rule slash USR in the game on that data sheet. I it was by I they weren't even on my radar, and then I went to WTC, and it was like it felt like out of the like the top teams, it felt like like three quarters of them had them. It was kind of yep. wild. Uh, next question. Follow up. Will we see TTS teams leagues as a stopgap until the U.S. figures out teams are fun? <laughs> they already exist. Um, yeah, I think they exist. Like the already. European, the Europeans have been running TTS teams leagues for like forever. Um, the United States runs like a couple, I think. Definitely, TTS can act as a stopgap until people kind of get on board, right? But I don't know if we can maybe. The United States is huge, uh, <laughs> like yeah, very yeah. disparate communities, yeah. barely stapled together, much like its political system. So there you go. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, with the with the HTC circuit, I mean, we could definitely see like it kind of be kind of like one feeds the other. Um, with if the HTC circuit like kind of picks up, um, maybe that becomes something like a little bit more refined. Maybe we see more TTS events uh, because of that. Who knows? Uh, so the Next question, uh, where were we? from Game C. What are your thoughts on anti-metalist armies? Uh, with the explanation, explain the current metal list who have very situational win conditions. One of the early tenth examples come to mind was the Marine Hammerfall Bunker Build. Forty K in general seems to be quite a bit less inclined to run cheese lists at the top table, at least from my limited, limited experience. Um, so there's two types or three types. Um, and this is coming from other games. You basically you have meta, you have counter meta, and then you have off meta. Um, off meta, a lot oftentimes is usually kind of like um, bad mouth as being bad because a lot of times off meta bad. is bad. You know, it's just someone who's just not following the meta. Meta meta generally um, just means popular. You know, it's the best way to think about it. Like meta synonym popular so someone is running something that's not popular they could be doing it for a reason known only to them they actually have a plan or they could just be like a hobby thing or it could just be like i'm i'm not on social media i don't listen to any content i don't listen to podcasts i just like this i played okay i'm just living my own truth um or sometimes like someone that and a lot of times like that stuff is just it's just not good the meta is the meta for a reason people have generally figured out like what's good um, but sometimes you occasionally have someone who's like looked at rules and he said, well, this isn't popular, but 
these rules are decent. I can play it well. Um, and they have success because they have something that um, that is off meta enough that people are prepared for. And like, they have to do the thing like, can you explain your army to me? Because I actually haven't seen this army before. Um, and and people aren't planning for it. So they, by the time they played, by the time they played it once in a tournament, and now they know how it plays. They're like, okay, well, in hindsight, I would have done this differently. I would have done this differently. And now I understand what that list does. It's too late because they're not going to see that list again because there's only one weirdo running that. Um, a good example of that would be back in like 8th edition, going into 8th edition, like Psychic Awakening into like early ninth edition. One of our locals, Mark Parker, was running like three Gargantuan Skligos, like a character, like like 30 Grots, and like 15 Smashing Guns. That was the list. And it just he just lined up all the Smashing Guns at the back. He had like a war boss, like kind of like tending them, and the Squigos with Gargantuan Squigos with the Grots would just like run towards you. Um, and it was like it felt like you were facing the 4,000 point list because it was just so much shooting and melee and wounds and it just really, really, really pressured you. Um, counter meta would be like, okay, well, everyone is building in. Tanks are the meta, vehicles are the meta, everyone's bringing anti-tank. I'm just going to take no tanks at all. I'm just going to take a horde of infantry. And so when that, they pair into me, they're, they're going to have all this high-strength stuff. I don't care... I don't care about your AP because I don't have a save. I don't care about your strength because I'm toughness three or whatever. I don't care about your damage because I'm one wood model. You don't have enough shots and I'm just all over the place. Um, so stuff like Keeper Rush, the 300 Grot list, um, Sisters before Dark, the Dark Elder Codex released. Uh, there was like a lot of like kind of like counter meta kind of stuff. I think it's good, but I think those types of lists require, um, they require you to like kind of be good at list building they really require you to be good at meta analysis and then also to have access to a lot of like units or models, whether that's either your own collection or like borrowing from someone else. Cause you need to pivot and kind of do weird stuff quickly. What do you guys think? I don't think that Hammerfall bunker, Hammerfall bunker list was yeah. ever good. It was just a Reddit meme yeah. guys. Let's, let's not get too excited about the guy who took it into like, a weirdly not meta Imperial Guard list and somehow managed to anti-tank it with the Hammerfall Bunker. But I think, Tim, you put together the best summary of it. Like, you can win with off-meta or counter-meta lists. It just depends on how flexible your counter-meta list is, right? Can your counter-meta list not just beat the top, but can it be, like, maybe one or two other armies that are going to be there? Because if it can't do that, you're just going to lose. Yeah, you got, you I, I, got I missed the first half of that because my daughter fell out of bed, so I have, oh. I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I basically, I basically broke down the triangle of meta, off meta, and then counter meta. Where off meta is just being different, and that's like its strength. But the the trick to off meta is it still has to be a good list. Like if you just do something off meta, but it's bad, it's just it's just bad. But if you do something <laughs> off meta and it's good then it's good because people aren't prepared for it. Whereas counter meta is like, actually, you're actually, you are off meta, but you're also praying specifically um, against, um, it's, and it, uh, like against stuff that's meta. And it's kind of funny because weirdly enough, a lot of times when a good off meta list runs into a good counter meta list, weirdly enough, the off meta list will actually beat 
the counter medal list because it's like, oh, I didn't sense, yeah. prepare for this, you know. So counter medal, it, it's a funny dichotomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Off medalists are usually still balanced lists at their face, right? Yeah, it's they're usually just, someone like they're just it, weirder. It's usually they're just weird than someone living their own truth, or it's just kind of like it might just be someone who's just running something that's like good, or it just wasn't quite good enough to be the thing that everyone's like hyping up and taking, or like you know the 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 nucleus of players who are traveling to events and like hopping armies to go win events, like they're taking like these like four or five factions to win events. And then you have a guy who doesn't want to do that. And he's a good player, but he takes something like, it's like just down here. It's like almost makes it. Um, and he, and he, and then he just plays it better than other people or knows it inside and out. So it's possible. Maybe not, not, maybe not in the current meta, but I've seen it before in other metas. Yeah. Uh, Tim and Francois, what were your hardest games from WTC Warmasters, And what did you learn from them? Uh, I'll go first. Um, it wasn't it wasn't my most difficult opponent, but I would say my hardest game was probably uh, when we played the ritual and I played the ritual into custodies. That was rough because uh, it was just it was just literally um, that's the one where you just have to like chain objectives from the center. I was basically desperately trying to do actions with war dogs and chain objectives out and split his army before my opponent realized what was up. Because uh, he was just kind of like being timid and you know being shy with his custodies, and then once he realized that like I couldn't actually like really hurt him, he just formed up into a golden armadillo and just rolled towards me like a bowling ball, and I shot everything <laughs> at him, and I bounced and I died. So that was that was kind of hard. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna do the thing where I uh, co-opt a question to tell a story I want to tell, even though it doesn't really answer the question. Um, but <laughs> <Go> my, <nuts. laughs> my 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 most difficult games were obviously the three Eldar games. That, that I played during the teams event. And, um, but in a way, what I learned from those games was how liberating it is to play a game where you know you're going to lose big. So your mission is to try and score any points for your team. And uh, my favorite game of all the WTC actually was my German Eldar matchup because we paired that one into a loss and jeremy comes up to me and he says listen we've paired this into a loss our matrix says we're gonna lose so like do what you can but we need points and i'm playing death watch into aldar so on my matrix it's deep red (laughs) i'm like well my expected points is two maybe uh but here's what i can do for you jeremy if you give me permission to do it (laughs) i ask permission because what i'm about to do is insane what I can do is I can fix my secondaries, take, bring it down, assassinate, deploy on the line, roll to go first. And it's not how I usually play because I'm normally a very conservative player. And it's how, it's not how you should play unless you have a good reason. The good reason here was, well, we're going to lose this round unless at least a couple of games flip. So let's give ourselves a chance to play this game. And the game starts, and I go, I tell my opponent, I go, I'm going to take fixed. I'm going to take bring it down and assassinate. And he looks at me and goes, no one has ever taken that against me. And we deploy. And he goes, if I go first, I'm going to be able to shoot your army. I look at him and I say, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I was playing with house money that entire round. It was great. And um, it starts beautifully, right? So I set up this, like, kind of pincer move where he can only phantasm either – 
prism or his avatar he in my opinion does the wrong thing gets the prism out of the way because i really wanted to kill the avatar because i wanted to like shove my army down his throat so i was like the avatar is going to be a problem i needed that i kill the avatar turn one his coaches start walking by and more and more (laughs) very confused (laughs) and his turn one shooting goes very poorly he kills six stern guard and that's it so at that point i'm like oh my god i might actually flip this game now spoiler alert i did not flip the game his turn two shooting phase was amazing (laughs) Uh, just as bad as his turn one shooting phase was his turn two shooting phase was like even better and uh, but it's it's funny because we had like three german coaches around the game the entire time because they were very worried that i was about to take this other game and turn it into a win for us i run out of steam because you know it's still out <laughs> and i go all right it's it's time now i'm going to gambit <laughs> first time in 50 games of 10th edition that i gambit i had never done it before i had to actually look up the rules to make sure i was doing it properly and i gambit and i pulled a one where that's orbital bombardment so if i just roll the high roll i get 30 points and he's like sweating bullets <laughs> And the coaches are like all around the table. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting back on my chair, just like this, kind of hands by my head, thinking, I can't lose. This is win-win. I'm playing with house money. And uh, sadly, I, I didn't quite get there. I scored a three in that game. But for a glorious couple of turns, it looked like I was actually going to flip the LR game. And it taught me a couple of things. It taught me that if you're going to lose anyway, might as well do the stupid thing and go for it. And because even if you have a one in 20 chance of like getting your gambit, like going first, getting all the damage you need, they get unlucky. Then you get your gambit. Sometimes it's worth trying and it didn't work. Although I got a three, which is kind of what I predicted anyway. So whatever. <laughs> it, it didn't not work. I also didn't get zeroed. Uh, but that was a beautiful game uh, for, for me. The, on the other side, poor guy was sweating bullets. So I love it. I love it. You're on, when, you, when you're assigned a list that's like designed to 20 old people, you're actually under a lot of pressure. Because it's like if you come back with like a 17, people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> There, that makes sense. Look, actually, man. there was zero pressure on me job. that round. I'm like, my expectation is to score a zero. So yeah. let's see what let's see. I what think happens. the part of teams that I find most uh, appealing is that is like, I would love to be the guy that's like, I'm gonna go scrape out four points, like two to four points from this expected 20 like jumping jumping in with some sort of sacrificial list and just trying to make a loss <laughs> not terrible, just seems deeply appealing. In three Eldar games, I scored a three, a three, and a five, and I'm really happy with that. I love it. The uh, next question is for Nathan. Uh, Dan F. in all caps adds, which bird won the WTC, Nathan? <laughs> so it depends on what we're talking about. The obvious answer is the, white, the white-tailed eagle won because Poland won. So their national bird gets to win WTC because that's how it works. Um, but for all practical purposes, and because I was not on the Australia interview to ask a bird combat related question, it really is the um, damn, I'm going to forget the name of the bird now, just after moments of having it, which is fine. Um, but Australia basically has 
this terrifying damn bird. Emu? No, it's not the emu. It's the one that the looks like a dinosaur. Cassowaries in South America. There you go. The cassowary. The cassowary. Oh, yeah. Cassowary, that's right. It's oh. cassowaries. Cassowaries are basically dinosaurs. Um, they're protected and they will they have velociraptor claws and they will kick the shit out of you, basically, is what they will do. Um, so yeah, cassowaries won, but really the white tailed the white the white eagle won because Poland won the WTC. Uh Dick uh from Dick the FNG uh from the X1 or from the uh, stat check Discord says besides Eldar, which is hard broke, and GSC, which might be exposed, which faction or factions did you each walk away with a new respect for or perspective on? Um again, we yeah, thousand sons. Um thousand sons. Definitely thousand sons. Uh we kind of answered that. We kind of answered that question a little bit before, but it was like more your favorite archetype, but I think I think that MSU Thousand Suns list caught a lot of people by surprise. Um I think that list is gonna make some waves in singles over the next couple of months. So I would definitely watch watch the space on that one. Uh from Oliver Johnson going to an eight game super major here in Brisbane, Australia, winning some events with GSC and everyone telling me to continue to play GSC. I've decided to bring Botan. What will be an impressive win-loss ratio for me to strive towards and accomplish at this event? Uh, four, 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 four. Yeah. If you go four, I mean, four, like, well, is it, right now, you're killing it. Is it, I mean, Oliver, I don't know if you're here, Oliver, is it six rounds and then a cutaway or is it like a full eight rounds for everyone? I mean, if it's way, full eight rounds going for everyone, even like four, with four. Votan would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause it feels like, no. it feels like both, it feels like Votan kept their points from the last edition. And then like, they basically took every single stat that had a number and just subtracted one. They're like, everything's one worse. And it just snowballed into uh, trash. I mean, they're yep. sub 30%, right? So anything above that is good. And like 50 yeah. would be my goal if, if I was doing it. Yeah. So assuming it's like six rounds with like a cut, with the top cut, that'd be a six round event. Um, if they have a 30% one rate and you, if you go three wins, that's, that's better than average. Um, yep. Really, you're expected to go two. Not sure. I'm not. What is Votan beating? I think anything over. They don't beat anything. <laughs> not, this is not a thing. It's, that it's really sad. They probably right, beat uh, or something. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, yeah, they because they have that, like that that really short like rail rifle, and they're just like as Death Guard are moving four inches, they're just like backing up and shooting with like eighteen inch <laughs> rail rifle. They move five inches back. Death Guard move four inches forward. They always have that one extra inch. That they yeah, they're just it's like it's like the world's it's the world's <laughs> slowest kiting with the world's shortest range rail gun. Yep. Oh my. <laughs> oh, it's, like, it's like that meme. It's like that meme with like the Simpsons, where they're watching the two monkeys fight, you know, with the knives. But like, you just circling each even, other. Yeah, but they don't even have knives. It's like, like wooden spoons, like the little spoons they give the crappy spoons for like the little ice cream they give you, like the a spark. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say a pool noodle, but I, I like spoon right. Better well, a pool noodle has a pool noodle. A pool noodle has reach, and Votan do not. So. <laughs> uh, final question, then we can all go to sleep. Has Cliff gone all in on the new Seraphon yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got two of the new boxes. I got two of the new patrols. I've got like two Stegonons, a Slime Mage Priest, 30 Soros Warriors assembled. I'm working on the Raptors now, um, the Raptodons. And 
yeah, like that, the model range is phenomenal. Everyone should buy them and play them. Uh, considering my, wife, it. <laughs> my, my, yeah. my wife my wife really likes the uh seraphons so um especially the skinks so that's been my excuse because she just likes them yeah. uh, she talks about painting them but she never she never will um but she likes it when i paint them for her um and I'll, she'll occasionally paint like one or two yep. but it's kind of nice because we actually get to play um small games like thousand point games of sigmar and i get to bring all the skaven units that like yes. that i like but aren't good because if I go to Skaven like RTT, if I go to uh, Sigmar like RTT or GT, I'll just bring like Storm Fiends and Screens the list. Um, <laughs> but I don't actually, I don't actually like Storm Fiends. I like stuff like the uh, like the Death Masters and the Assassins yeah. and like just like the the um, the Storm Vermin like kind of stuff. Like all the stuff is just like not, the Doom Wheels, like all that crap. Um, so when she brings her pure skinks or whatever, you know, I can run like my dude wheels or whatever. We just have like fun little games on our. That's fun. You know, we, we play like maybe like two games a year or something like that, but it is fun. I love it. Yep. All right, gents. Uh, let me just scroll through. Um, I think that is all. That's actually all the questions. Um, gents, uh, so much for joining us i know it's a little late especially for you francois uh in the cabin love the panel wood by the by the way thank you um, it was beautiful. But yeah really appreciate you guys joining us uh it was awesome to see you guys at wgc um anything you guys want to add before we close out francois let's go with you go to war masters if you can awesome yeah definitely agree nathan I think the biggest takeaway is just that sportsmanship was so paramount at the event. A lot of people think of like probably 40K Olympics as like the sweatiest of gaming situations, but really it's like, well, it is the sweatiest of gaming. Literally, <laughs> but only only because it's hot. Um, it honestly, the sportsmanship and camaraderie at WTC and at War Masters was amazing to behold. Um, so even if you just want to go experience an event with amazing sportsmanship where you and your opponent will either share a beer or share a jersey, maybe trade a jersey, not share a jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, whatever you guys want to do, whatever will make you happy. Uh, go to War Masters, have fun, make a trip out of it. You'll have a good time no matter what, basically. I agree. Uh, definitely, again, you don't have to be uh, a part of your team, your nation's official team. Um, but if you, maybe if you want to do that, like it's also a good way to get some visibility, but if you make a trip out of it and you go there out there solo, go see Belgium is a beautiful country. It's close to Amsterdam, uh, Luxembourg and other countries. Um, and the war masters is great. Even though it was high caliber skill, it felt very low pressure and the terrain was incredible. The judging was incredible. Um, the venue, the beer, the the beer was cheap. Was incredible. The beer was, the beer was cheap and also incredible. Um, if it's not on your bucket list, you should probably consider it if you have the means and the uh, the time to go do it. Um, Cliff, man, anything anything you want to add? I'm, I know you've kind of been like a passenger with us on this ride, um, but yeah. uh, maybe one day we'll see you, guys, you out there too. Yeah, I mean, you know, one day. I love traveling. I love Belgium. I could go get my ass kicked by the best players in the world for six rounds straight. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> main takeaway for me is that, like, which I know already because I'm familiar with all you guys and a bunch of you guys know yo is that uh sweaty players are often the coolest and like it's okay to be really competitive about this game that we all love and have deep passion for but that doesn't mean that you have to be like a bad person about it or a 
jerk at the table. Uh, often the most competitive people have been like the coolest dudes at the table too. So if you're considering jumping into the cop scene, take it from all of these folks who have been to like the absolute mountaintop uh, of the competitive 40K universe and come back raving about the people, their experience, how good a time they had. Jump in, it's fun. Just don't play Eldar or GSC. Don't do that. <laughs> you should do it anyways. Play what you love. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. All right, gents. Uh, everyone, uh, thank you so much for joining us. X1, um, we love having you guys here. Um, I think all of us uh, have some events coming up soon. I know Francois, you're talking about it. Um, I think, yeah, I think all of us have events coming up soon. Uh, so everyone, good luck on that. And then uh, we'll, everyone else, we'll see you guys in uh, two weeks. Yep. Bye. Cheers. Bye. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.